Hello and welcome to Learning, Laughing, and Loving with your co-host Evan Money and yours truly, Scott Jones. This podcast is all you need. If you're looking to learn about the world, do it with a smile and to connect to the deeper mysteries of human life and the kind of connection everyone is looking to make. Money, 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 money. Talk to me. Scott Gant Jones, living, laughing, learning, loving. Another glorious day. It is. It is. We're lucky to be alive. It's a great day to be alive. That's Although, right. you know, it's interesting. The Chinese character, I guess, for, for crisis is danger and opportunity. And there's another Asian proverb that says, kind of tongue and cheek may you be born in interesting times. So we, have, mm. we are in interesting times, my friend. Mm, and like my buddy Zig Ziglar says, if you don't think it's a great day, just try missing one. Exactly. How are you doing out there in California, man? California is exciting. It is every day is a new day. Are we open today? Are we closed today? What's going on? Are we riding in the streets? Are we doing this? Are we doing that? So every day is a new day. Very exciting. Good for ADD people like me. And me. <laughs> come out west, man, you East Coaster. Come on down. I think I'm officially though a, a, a coastal elite. I love the Northeast so much. I love like coastal the trains and the and the and the public transit. I mean, it's a very although it is interesting now. I wonder how people will in the Northeast acclimate to all this you know, virus and pandemics and things like this. Like because you know they're. It's something that people pride themselves on in the Northeast, right? That you have all this great public transportation. You can mm, yes. But then when these things become seeming, you know, coffins. <laughs> I mean, like, because it's interesting. Because you, you really, the stuff I've read is your lowest risk is on a plane. If yeah, you're because the, yeah, the way they filter the air and do all that. And, and for that reason, actually, it's not for that reason, but for different reasons, because California still can't open Disneyland up. We have booked a trip. We're going to Disney World in September. Oh, in Orlando. Yeah. So we're excited about that. Yeah, because I think if in, and if they, they're keeping the middle seats open, people were in mass. They got the filtration system. Flying is actually one of the safest. It's weird, right? Like. Well, even in general, right? Like you look at the accidents, right? It's so funny, right? Again, we, we, we can circle around just common sense, the common sense party, and actually have a candidate running in 2028 for the common sense party. We'll get to that in a second. But, you know, just looking at the stats of how many people die in an automobile accident versus how many people die in an airplane accident. It is. It's the safest place to be is in the air. Yeah, no, totally. I mean, it is a remarkable thing. And then we don't, we don't hear about any outbreaks on planes, like right? I mean, we're just not hearing that, like, which, I mean, we would hear about it because the media is generally not to, I mean, John Stewart once said the media, it, it is bias. It's not political bias. It's bias towards laziness and sensationalism. Oh, yeah, so, <laughs> so true. If, so if there was a, an outbreak on a plane, it would be plane gate. Dun, dun. <laughs> plane gate. Do you know what I want to do? So this is, okay, for all of our listeners, if anybody knows anybody in either campaign, I will work for either campaign. I've always wanted to be the guy that does those, like, voiceover negative ads. Like, oh, yes. Did you know <laughs> Mitt, Mitt, Mitt Romney puts his finger in the peanut butter jar at 3 a.m. and puts it back in the pantry and doesn't tell anybody? <gasps> yes. 
Okay, Do I, you know no, no, Bar- Barack Obama likes the smell of his own farts? Like, you know, like I want to be the guy that does those, like that dark, that well, dark campaign voice. Yes, but here's here's how remarkable that is, Scott Kent Jones. I it's been what three or four decades. I still have that guy's voice in my head. From I'm trying to remember who even ran against, but the negative ad for you don't even think you were born yet. It was Michael Dukakis. <laughs> I was born. <laughs> Michael Dukakis let Eddie. What was the guy he let it on furlough? That I don't know what it, I just. I just he remember, let it. He let him out on furlough. Yeah, I just remember the tone. And Michael Dukakis. It was, uh, <laughs> that lost in the election. That one dude. That voiceover guy. He needs an Emmy or an Oscar or something because he killed Dukakis's political presidential ambitions. Just <laughs> the in voice the tone. Is so awesome. The yes. Do you know? Evan Money doesn't put this toilet seat up when he pees and tells his wife he does. And but can you trust him? If you can't trust him in the bathroom, can you trust him in Congress? You're just like, it's so awesome. Like, you, like it'd be the greatest thing. And it's so sinister. It's like you're in a movie. Oh, yes. And speaking of movies, we, we have to give this because it is, it is so apropos right now. You may have saw it a long time ago, but I've been... Uh, we watched it just recently. It was spectacular. We may have talked on a previous show. Have you seen the Adjustment Bureau lately? Yeah, great. About time. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Just the whole political campaign, him, you know, ratting on himself, calling BS on everything. That was the greatest political speech of all time, by the way. Yeah. It was Matt Damon's. We hired this guy for $7,500 to tell us how scuffed your shoes are supposed to be. <laughs> Remember that? It was yeah. like, yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. I would love to know, like, what. I mean, that would be the thing that, like, it, it's not. I'm sure it's accessible to us, right? Like, I'm, I'm sure we could find it out with a little deliberate Google searching or journalism stuff. But I would love to know what the campaigns are spending on what. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. And, and, and who is kind of like doing what and why and how? I mean, that's an interesting because I the reason I'd want to do that is. Because not for what it tells us about the campaigns, it t- it's, it's what it tells us about ourselves. Mm. So these people are not idiots, right? I mean, they're they're they, we you might not like the way they govern of either party, but mm-hmm. when they're running a campaign, this is where they're at their best in some sense, right? They're they're getting experts together to tell us what they think we want to hear. Yes, and so you, you now, tell you, tell them what we think that they want to hear. Right? right, right, exactly, right. So I mean. It'd be an interesting marketing strategy. Like if I were, you know, what, well, what are they spending the money on? Mm-hmm. Because I'm sure it's not, uh, it may, it may not, we might not like the priorities or something, but I'm sure it tells us a lot about American culture. Oh yeah. Yeah. And what's I, I, would, I was fascinated by, and, and you can speak into this. That, that's the, the campaign manager calling, by the way. Hey, money and I will come. We'll work for either campaign. Just tell us. Doesn't matter. Just put us on the road. I want to ride in the big campaign. <laughs> but here's the thing. Here's what fascinated me when I, I'm trying to remember what period, because this this COVID thing is really, tra- it's transcended time, really. It's kind of made this time warp stop. But I remember when all they were blasting was Bloomberg and Tom, I'm trying to remember Tom's last name. Um, I know that's your party. When they were angling for the nomination, 
before they defaulted to your Democratic. But it was Mike Bloomberg and Tom for president. And just I I was fascinated by their ad campaigns. I would stop everything, listen to the ads like, OK, what are they saying? Who are they trying to talk to? What's, what, what's Mike talking about? And they didn't really have too many of the slander ones. It was just all the positive. Bloomberg's ads were like movie trailers. Yes. It's interesting because you've never seen like there's a 70 some year old kind of secular Jewish old man <laughs> and they made him into an action. Yes. Hero. Like yes! Bloomberg's going to go. He's going to, he's going to put on the Iron Man armor. Yeah. Save the country. Yes! And it was like, awesome. I was like, Bloomberg, Bloomberg. Bloomberg. Yes. And that, you know what, that's, that's speaking of campaign ads. And I, I have to, you have to remind me, I'm, I'm going to talk about the eight mile campaign, which will work. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Like if you actually got the candidate to put on the Iron Man suit, and be like, vote for me with stars and stripes, dude. People would love it. Oh, uh, I know, absolutely. I mean, that's the thing. This is where, this is where Trump. I mean, I think like the rallies are the best kind of thing he's done in the sense of if you want to understand the American zeitgeist, mm -hmm. and that's what's hurting him right now, right? Because you can't really do the rallies. Mm -hmm. Those rallies are the most entertaining and interesting things. Whatever your politics are, right? Mm -hmm. Like I know a lot of smart liberals who watch the rallies at a fascinating cultural study kind of perspective. Because mm. they are, I mean, they are, and he's brilliant. He goes into an area that generally, he's not in the major urban metro area where all the, he goes to the areas that have kind of been forgotten. And he basically does like a pro wrestling rally. I mean, it's, it's just, it's just epic. It's like so epic. Well, speaking of rallies, here, here's here's one, some political stuff I found out I think you'll enjoy. And then I want to talk to you about the Eight Mile campaign, which is actually better than the Iron Man campaign. But I remember reading when Teddy Roosevelt was campaigning. And that that's really who Trump is, the modern-day Roosevelt. You know, he is the Rough Rider and just kind of the whole thing. But Rose, this is Teddy Roosevelt. Do you know how many books? Do you know how many books he wrote, Roosevelt? Uh-uh. I just interviewed a guy. I'm going to post it today who wrote a book about Roosevelt. Teddy Roosevelt wrote 43 books. Whoa, really? His, his first book he wrote in his 20s was about naval warfare in the War of 1812. And then, I don't think there were ghostwriters back then. This was no, him. No. This was him putting pen. No, paper. this is him putting down. I mean, he is, when he's with the Rough Riders in the Spanish-American War, he's also going out in nature and studying the dietary habits of vultures. <laughs> I mean, he was, he was, and, and also he's the first guy, this guy, really interesting guy, Dan uh, uh, Gleason. Uh, he made this point that, okay, like you could say Teddy Roosevelt, like anybody is, you know, around certain issues of race and things. We wouldn't talk about this stuff the way we do now. But so he's behind the times in some ways, but ahead of the times in other ways, he said he was the first president or, and one of the first people, like public figures. To think of the environment like an ecosystem, mm. that like we're a part of it. Yeah, yeah. And when he, when he got to the Grand Canyon, the book is called Leave It As It Is. Because mm. that when he got to the Grand Canyon and saw it, he said, leave it as it is. Yeah, yeah. And Ro Roosevelt had this real vision for a kind of understanding of the land. And we can't yes. just develop everything. we got to yeah. preserve some of it. Yeah. He was ahead of his time. Oh, he yeah. Was, he, was, yeah. he was a genius. Yeah. And then to, now here's the genius to his, I absolutely agree. And here's the genius to his campaign manager. So at one of his rallies, they literally had uh, hundreds of people on the payroll that they paid to show up, sit in the front area and clap for whatever he said. Like, this is in the early 1900s they were doing this. Like, straight up paid, like, whatever he says, you clap. Okay, like, 
I'm just like, wow. To, so to think that was going on a hundred years ago, who knows what they're doing now. Um, but let me give you for the next candidate here. This is this this goes back to the Michael Dukakis guy because everyone's gonna have the slam, you know, negative campaign. So you may have not seen it. It's probably been a long time, but there was a movie called Eight Mile starring SM. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And the, the a, whole, it's a great movie. I mean, it, it's a great film. It's, yeah, it's fantastic. It, it is, you know, the the language and all that stuff I could do without, but that's just my taste. But the the premise is spectacular. And go the premise is it's called the Eight Mile Political Campaign, where at the end of the movie he's got the big rap showdown, right? And it's all about who can burn who and who can do this. And he gets up, and he just burns himself for three minutes straight, right? And drops the mic, and everybody's like, "Oh my gosh, slack jawed rolling!" And then his his arch enemy, right, is ready to, and he's speechless because he's like, "I can't blast him. He's already blasted himself, right?" So the best campaign is going to be, you know, whoever running coming up and them saying all the stuff that they've done. You know, yes, I put my finger in the peanut butter jar. No, I did not put the toilet seat down. Yes, I did this when I was in eighth grade. And he tells his whole story, right? And at the end, he goes, and you know what? I've learned a lot, and now I'm ready to run for president. I approve of this message. And everybody's going to go could like, do that? What, oh. if you could, what if you could do that, not just personally, but also politically? What if you could say, I've done this, I've done this. Yes. And my party's done this. We yes. failed on this issue. We failed on this issue. And I embrace that. Like, we need to learn from our mistakes. Like, and, and, this is where, you know, the Democrats, the Republicans have failed the country. And I want to correct this. Yes, that's going to be the that is going to be the premise for the I believe for either the 2024, or the 2028 candidate to just come out because there's no defense. Right. You can't say, oh, we're going to bust him for this. Oh, you already told everybody. Oh, yeah. I cheat on my taxes. Oh, yeah. I cheat on my wife. Oh, yeah. I did this. I did this. And the people are like, I can relate with that guy. Oh, my gosh. He actually told the truth. Wow. I'm going to run. <laughs> okay here's here's the deal it's five grand okay it costs you five grand and you have to you know submit a birth certificate and you can be literally that's all it takes to run it's five grand be on the birth certificate and then check this out scott can't jump wait for california right to be in the no, no 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 here. no no to, to be on the, to be a presidential candidate it's only five grand you got to submit a birth certificate and you can get on the ballot. And now, for the rest of your life, Scott Kent Jones, it'll be Scott Kent Jones, podcast extraordinaire and presidential candidate. Failed presidential <laughs> candidate. Just presidential candidate. That's all you got to say. Yeah. I ran for, hey, hey, everybody, I ran for president. I That's was on right. The That's on the ballot, dude. Can you imagine going on the ballot, seeing your name? Dude, that would be so cool. I would love that. You could do it. I don't even know I'd vote for myself. But I would, <laughs> I, you know, like, I, I mean, I would love to just be in there and see my name. Just see it on there. Presidential. Oh, that's a, that's got a great ring to it. Presidential candidate, Scott Kent Jones, and expert podcaster. I mean, come <laughs> on, man. No, that is, I mean, it is an interesting, interesting phenomenon. So let's talk hydroxychlorine. Would you take it? Let's talk global thermonuclear war. What now? I mean, we're doing it. <laughs> Wait, do you know that hydroxy? Because, so, like, I feel like my Facebook feed and my inbox has been bombarded with people on both sides of this where, because there's a bunch of doctors who have said we're prescribing hydro. Yeah, I forgot who was telling me about it. They they saw that live from like the eight doctors and then it got pulled down by every platform. Um, and this whole conspiracy theory around that. So um, I thought they were just taking, um, you'll love this. So when I went to my dentist yesterday, so I show up and they got the full on hazmat suits on, 
Oh, yeah. And I'm like, oh, okay. And then they had me rinse with hydrogen peroxide before they started for 30 seconds. They timed me. They gave me hydrogen peroxide and swishing around my mouth for 30 seconds before we even start. I was just getting a cleaning. They, they weren't doing anything. So are you talking about hydrogen peroxide? You talking about something else? <laughs> no, the high right, the hydroxychlorine is this drug, right, that apparently has preventative. It, what doctors are arguing is that it's got preventative COVID kind of effects. And and I th- I think the way this started was people scientists were looking at parts of Africa that because it's an anti-malarial drug. Okay. Primarily. And or at least one of its primary uses. And so they were looking at these places in Africa that had no COVID outbreak breaks. And they're like, well, shoot, like all these people are taking hydroxychlorine every day. So so people have used it, um, and apparently some doctors in, are saying that, look, we've cut mortality rate by like 50% by using this once symptoms developed. Mm. And the FDA has said, no, it's, it's harmful, um, and we shouldn't be using it. And then, of course, it's politicized because Trump, Trump said, you know, like, I mean, Trump said it like early, like a couple months ago. I'm taking, I'm taking preventatively. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's my he might as well have said I'm drinking bleach. I mean, it's one of those <laughs> things he just says, right? He just kind of throws it out there. I take it, I take a little bit of bleach, and I just kind of do it. And, but it, what's interesting is is it, this is sorted out the way everything in our culture does. So if you're, you know, a kind of hardcore Trump person, well, I'm not going to wear a mask just because I'm for Trump. And this is the same thing that liberals are doing now. You kind of, um, well, of course, if Trump said hydroxychlorine is good, it can't be good. Yeah. And so it's interesting because, you know, I've talked, you know, I'm talking to friends on all sides of the kind of political spectrum and I'm reading everything I can. And this is one of these moments where, you know, this is an outlying opinion. And what do you do with an outlying opinion that could be right? Like, I mean, it, it, I mean, it could, it also could be wrong i mean you know like i tend to trust the fda like i mean i think like i i you know i i eat my wheaties or you know you drink your coke zero and you kind of you generally like ultimately trust that okay there's probably some human fallibility here but there's enough checks and safeguards that you know they're probably not insane and they've just put out this thing but also in the course of human history nope they're outlying like outlying opinions win galileo Mm. (laughs) you know people you know people kind of come along and say hey the reigning paradigm is wrong and and so this is an interesting kind of debate that i feel like i'm in the midst of with lots of people i respect on all sides of the political aisle who are questioning like uh the value of this drug and i think and, and and i think some of its importance is i i am skeptical that we'll, we will get a vaccine anytime soon. I mean, if we get it, I think it'd be amazing, and I'm praying for it, and I hope we get it. But I tend to think a really reliable vaccine right now looks unlikely. So our hope is therapeutics and prevention and things like that. And so this drug, apparently, you know, people that are in their late 50s or early 60s, like my friend who was the first person that was saying, what's going on with this? He and his wife both have some heart conditions and things like that. Like, this could be, they're like, look, I'll take it now if it's preventative because they're in a part of the country that where things are, you know, the cases are increasing and they're thinking we could protect ourselves. And also, if this works, 
maybe we could open schools up. Maybe the economy can open back up. If we get drugs like this that are, that are effective. And so I don't know. I just find like this is one of those things where you try to do your due diligence. And everybody, of course, is an expert. Like Google MD. Like everybody. everybody you know, it's just challenging, right? This is the I challenge. Hear you. I hear you. Okay, so uh, we have to cross-reference all this. So I want to go down a couple different angles. So number one, what does WikiLeaks say about this? I don't know, but you know what? I can look. Oh, right yeah. I got to go there first to cross reference everything. Got to go to WikiLeaks. I mean, that's a thing. Wiki. Come on. WikiLeaks hydro. Yes. Hydro algae. I hate that this drug is so hard to spell. <laughs> <laughs> that's part of it. Okay. So you dig into that, and I'll talk to our growing, massively exponential growing list of listeners. I wrote a best selling cancer prevention book years and years and years ago. And it was apropoly called the one day diet yep. simply because it that's, you cannot go on a two week diet. You cannot go on a six week diet. You cannot go on a 60 day crash diet because you can only live today, right? The ancient scriptures talk about, Hey, don't talk about tomorrow. You know, you got enough worry about tomorrow. Let's focus on today. Today's the only day you can live. So you can only go on a one day diet of like, okay, what am I going to put in my mouth today? You know, I remember when the lap band was the big thing. And the, the, the real secret is to put the lap band around your lips. I mean, that's, you know, it can't get in your mouth, right? It's not going down your stomach. But it was all about preventative, you know, preventative medicine is the best medicine. Not getting sick in the first place. Having a high immune system, not putting crap in your body. So with all of that, yes, and, you know, I have now, I've heard this from a couple of different people, and it made sense. Again, smart, like you, Scott, that, that's why I love doing the show, is you and I probe all sides of the party, all sides of the aisle, all sides of mindset. Like, hey, what do you think? What do you think? And I've and it, this has been a common thread that everyone's brought up is like, do you actually know anyone who's died of COVID? Like, not a friend of a friend, or yeah, this guy's friend's uncle, or my parents' mom, like, like an actual person that you have talked to, met with, they know you, you know them that actually died from COVID. And I was like, man, I know I've never met anyone myself personally up until. Last week or a few weeks ago, uh, there was a guy who I just verified that he did, in fact, quote unquote, uh, die of COVID, but he was in his 60s and he had major, he was like four to five times a year, he would get ammonia, like just having these chest issues, breathing is like that was his MO for the last 10, 15 years, just not the, the picture of perfect health. And so, again, it comes back to like, okay, if you are like that ill and those are the people that, you know, you want to be careful and quarantined, but the healthy, young and strong, it's like, you know what, this is, uh, you know, this is a little overdone. You're talking about the, the, the vaccine, you know, well, hopefully they'll come up with something. I imagine just like, you know, we talked about like earlier shows, right? Like every four years, there's an outbreak of something. Yeah. You know, whether it's SARS or whether it's whatever, right? Conveniently, in an election year in the United States, there's some outbreak, you know, every four years. So after the elections, I have a feeling that there will be new, re there'll be new uh, discoveries found that, oh, COVID wasn't bad as we thought, or this wasn't bad as we thought. So I think everyone is, is finally like, okay, once the elections happen, that's, I think, when people are, that, that's my conspiracy theory anyway, but... Tell me your thoughts, Scott Kent Jones. And what did the WikiLeaks say, too? The Wiki, by the way, Wiki told us, Wikipedia says it's under the brand name Pl Plaquenil. Okay. 
Which why is that? That's, that's, that's so much easier to pronounce. Of course. I don't even know it's easier though. Like, I don't know that I like the name better. Like, okay, hydro oxychloroquine versus planquine. How about no malaria? <laughs> How about how about why don't you just call it malaria sucks? <laughs> that's that's you know you, you just, malaria be gone. Yeah, malaria sucks. Like why don't we call it that? And like, that's on the brain, and everybody knows. Oh, this is great. What's the top anti-malarial drug? Oh, malaria sucks. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Versus like I can't even remember. I'm, I'm like, this is bad branding, right? Because <laughs> I can't even remember what it's called. Plaquenil. Plaquenil. I mean, I mean, they've got okay. Big big pharma's got enough money to go down. It's probably in the even the same building as Ogilvy and Mather. They can go down to these ad giants and go, "Can you help us with a name?" (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) What about malaria ducks or screw malaria? Like, like that's a great thing. Like every time the person gets it, yeah, screw malaria. Yeah. 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 I am not as conspiracy theory on the virus. I think I think it exists. I think it. Although I do think our reception of it is um, so politicized. And again, I think I've, we talked about this. Like I, I talk with a lot of my Canadian friends pretty regularly, and they just don't get it. Like they are kind of – they have not politicized it. I mean it's kind of – you the conservatives and liberals, and they have several other parties. They're kind of like, okay, we just do this. And and they're opening back up, and yes. they've kind of – Yeah, restaurants. Tweeted. Restaurants are open. I uh, just talked with a friend in Toronto. He's like, we're going out to eat tonight. Woohoo! Yeah, no, I mean, it's, they've done a really good job of not making the stuff ideological. Like, mm-hmm. okay, here's the data, and we'll, you know, kind of work through it and try to be so. And I think here we're at this place where just we are so tribal. And the tribalism around, whether it's around Black Lives Matter and George Floyd or the pandemic, I feel like it's a, it's a kind of stress test for the country. And we're, and we're, and we're seeing that we are so tribalized and it, it, it is really just d- disturbing and hard and and again it makes it when you do the tribalism the hard thing is like you you get in these situations where and i feel like i'm somebody that i try to be reasonably reasonably discerning and things but you get these studies and you're like well what does the republican think what's the democrat think and all this stuff <laughs> And that, like, why does that matter, right? Like, mm. why does it matter mm. what, like, you know, if we have facts on the ground and, you know. And, it, and, and, and with that, though, no one ever asks what the independents think, right? It's right, always, right, right. Well, it's always the hard right or the hard left. It's like. Well, because the independents don't have an organized money machine. Like, you don't. So, like, in Pennsylvania, right? And this is a classic example, right? Like. We had my buddy moved to Portland, Oregon from Pennsylvania. And he said the most interesting thing when I go get a beer and talk to somebody at a bar and meet a stranger and try to make a friend, I tell them what it's like to buy beer in Pennsylvania. <laughs> so you can't buy beer uh, anywhere in a grocery store or anything like that. It's all government controlled. Mm. You have to buy it from the government liquor, from the government beer distributor or an authorized takeout thing like there has to be an author's and you also can't buy beer in the same place you buy wine or liquor mm. and no one can sell wine or liquor like a, a restaurant can do six packs 12 packs no just six packs i think of beer no one can sell um wine or liquor 
as a consumer. I mean, you can get a bottle, you can get a glass of wine or even, you know, order the bottle in a restaurant in Philadelphia, but you can't, no one except the authorized government store can sell it. Now, everyone in Pennsylvania would like this changed. Most people, or most people, like, I mean, most people would like it to be, you could go and get beer or wine or whatever in, with your groceries and that kind of thing. But there's no lobby for that. Like, it, it, there's no lobby for the every person common sense mm. position where mm. there's a lobby to keep this, right? If you're kind of prohibitionist on alcohol or if you're a government, you're part of the government and you like yeah. the government yeah. control, right? Or if you're part of the beer distributor network, yes, that you, you have a vested interest. And so if you just put this up to a referendum, my guess is, Overnight, it would change. <laughs> like, but the, 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 there's no like, okay, what about the common sense? Most people just want to be able to like go get their Bud Light and Wheaties and their Swiffer at Target. Yes. <laughs> right. Yeah. They don't want to have. They don't have to go and make. So if you so literally so if you want to like Swiffer party, we could call it that. So this is like your in-laws are coming over, right? And you know they like to drink wine. And so, and you like to drink beer. And so you're thinking, okay, I'm going to have to get a six pack to recover from my in-laws. So I'm going to get the wine for them, the six pack. And then I'm going to, my wife's going to make me clean up afterwards. And it's going to be a mess. And I'm going to get sober. You're talking about you have to go to three stores. <laughs> but there's no lobby. Like, like what lobby is like, there's a lobby again. There's so many lobbies to keep this kind of antiquated system. I mean, it's insane. I mean, it, it, it is it is just insane I mean, it's an insane system but there's no lobby against insanity <laughs> there's well, maybe, lobby. well maybe you can do you know what maybe perhaps 2024 will be the year of the gofundme presidential campaign yeah, yeah just i would run on that i would run on that i would run on like hey if you elect me the other thing i would run on is like i swear to you if there are potholes, I'll fill them. <laughs> potholes and snow removal. Just remove the yes. snow. Like, yes. if you're in the Northeast, just remove the snow. Like, like, just get it. You know, like, I don't. No one would care about your positions on anything. You could say, "I believe in aliens." <laughs> uh, and I'd like, I'd like to take us back to the gold standard. Yes. But you know what? Yes. I will take the snow out of the streets. So, because that's it. That's what happens. Like, okay, you know, so see, this is this is why we this again. This is why a political party needs to hire you because state by state, you can uncover the real issues. Like in Philly, it's like you can buy beer anywhere. You know, if you like your beer, you can keep it and buy it where you want it, right? And then fix the potholes, fix the snow. Oh, it's brilliant. It's Do you know how many people lose tires on potholes here? <laughs> okay. and, and also, it happens after the snow. What happens yeah. is. The salt goes from the snow, and they don't fix the potholes. And then all of a sudden, you're driving around, and I've blown so many tires on potholes. I, I'm with you. You and I, either party. Like, look, just to hire us, we'll yes. get you elected. Yes, yes. Okay, so let me take this at a, at a macro level because I want to do two things. I, I, I got to ask you about bidding, but I also want to talk um, from uh, again, uh, again, talking about the the, in the lack of the independent thing. So again, for us non politically mature people, so. Was Bernie running as an independent or was Bernie under the Democratic? He was an independent. So he was he was not registered as a Democrat, but I guess he would have. 
had if he got the nomination. I, well, I don't know. That's interesting because I don't know the rules on that. Like you, because I remember he bowed out early, and he was saying, "Hey, we need to vote." Like he was all of a sudden like, "I'm out," so go ahead and vote Democratic. And da da. Because I, I think he's still an independent. Okay. The other interesting thing is a friend of mine raised this issue. If you like, so and this is a real issue with Biden, right? Like. Let's say Biden picks his VP and between now and November he dies, which is, again, I mean, I, 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 I like Biden's, a, I think, a really good guy and I wish him well. But this is a real possibility, right? He, I mean, he's not in great. He's old and he's not aging well. I mean, and, and this How is not he? he's like 77. OK, OK, I think. Is he that old? I think. I mean, he's, he's, he's slim. He's slim and trim. Yeah, you. Yeah, you. That, that's your party, so you got to pull that stuff up. Biden. I'm looking. Uh, he is 1942, so that's 60, 70, 80, minus two. He's 77 or 78. 77. 77. Is he taking the hydrogen peroxide? He should be. <laughs> he should be. But this is what, you know, it's interesting because a friend of mine who's a really educated guy, he said, well, if... That's not me, by the way. He said, you know, if if his VP... If he dies, he'll his VP will just become president. I was like, no, that's not how it works. Like, if if he died, um, the the electoral college would have to figure out how to vote. No, they might all no all like let's say Biden. Are you sure? You sure? Yeah, yeah. So basically, so you is that different than an assassination? It's different because if he wasn't if he was in office. That would be different. If oh, he, okay. If he's okay. sworn in. Okay. Oh, okay. I got you. I got you. If okay. he's sworn in. Ah, okay. Right. Then his VP would take over. Because I just watched that episode of Destiny Survivor, by the exactly. way. Exactly. Right. Okay. Okay. So, so I'm following. Okay. So you're saying if, if Biden the, he gets picks, elected, picks guy, if, Biden, if Biden picks a VP, but before the, because he hasn't picked a VP yet. So before the actual, uh, he gets elected and sworn in, he dies. Right. Because the Electoral College meets in December. Mm hmm. And and then it's an the inauguration happens in January. So so if Biden died, it would not be automatic that his VP would be. I mean, technically, if you had let's let's say, I'm I'm going to send you my my inauguration picture. By the way, I love it. So so basically, it would go to the electoral college. And now, I mean, in all probabilities, my guess is that. If Biden won most of the electoral votes, most of the people would be Democrats. And so they would probably just vote instead of Biden, they'd vote for his vice president, right? But that's not a guarantee. I mean, that, you know, and, and people could raise all kind of ruckus like, look, this person didn't run, they didn't campaign, they weren't vetted the same way. So, I mean, that's, I mean, that's where it's, it, it, it's a kind of conundrum. Uh, and we have why we have such an interesting constitutional system. <laughs> okay, but, let, but let's go back to Biden, 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 and Biden. Um, here's my thing. So, how did he? I'm just curious because again, you're, that that's more in your party. So, how did he become the default candidate? I don't know. Bloomberg and Tom. Why? Who? Who decided? Like, ah, oh, yeah, we'll just vote for. We'll vote for. I didn't even know he was running. I'm like, well, if it's not going to be Bloomberg or Tom, you know, who's it going to be? And all of a sudden, it's like, oh yeah, well, we're just going to vote for Biden. That Bye. no, that f fascinates me. And this is what I think. You know, in 2018, 
Democrats won the House in a sweeping majority, like that people hadn't seen. I mean, I think it, it hadn't been that big in like 100 years. And they won mostly with moderate, a lot of moderate, like white women that had national security experience. They were in the CIA or the military. They were very, they were not kind of the squad or something. They weren't like the kind of avant-garde left. They were sort of middle of the road, common sense Democrats that wanted to kind of fix the country. And it had some significant experience, most of them, in defending the country. So in 2020, what's interesting is you get a slate of candidates that does not look like who won in 2018. And I'm just thinking, why not get one of these people that is a star? <laughs> Instead of, and so you get the, so you had these people that were kind of, oh, you just sent me a text message. That was my, yeah, I sent you my, see it? That's my. Oh man, I love yeah, you it. You like that? You like I that? I love it. I do love it. I'm Look what I'm wearing. Look at the show. suit I'm wearing. I'm going to put this in the show Track notes. Tracksuit president, baby, right there. I'm going to put this in the show notes. <laughs> no, but like I think, no, that's the thing that fascinates me is that you had a big field, mm-hmm. which probably should have been even bigger, but how does Joe Biden become yeah. the guy that everybody gets behind when I it doesn't seem like the mood of the country to me? I mean, like, it, it, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. And maybe some of it is the way politics works is that, like, people got nervous and Obama, interestingly, stayed out of the fray for a long time. And I think that was an interesting question. A lot of Republicans raised this. Well, if, if Biden's so good, why didn't Obama say, he's my guy, he's my VP, and, I wanna, yeah. you know, and I'm yeah. going to endorse him? I mean, that was a very late endorsement. Um, so I don't know. And I think, again, I don't think Joe Biden would be – a bad president or anything like that, but I but I do think it's interesting. Why do we have somebody that's seventy eight years old who is aging badly? And it's not as if there were not tons of other choices. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this is the choice. I don't know. Mm. That's a good question. That to me is a good question. Again, more more reason to arouse suspicion, arouse conspiracy theories, arouse all of this. So I'm assuming that you're voting for Joe. Or are you going to write yourself in? I'm writing you in. Ah, yes. I'm writing you in. Come on. I would last probably maybe after watching my episodes of Desnag Survivor. Ah, maybe you would five. do great. You do great. Oh. You would do great. You'd throw up in the bathroom like he first another one. <laughs> and then you would be, you know, that's, I love that scene, the first episode. And then the guy's like, the speechwriter is like, I think you should quit. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, if Kiefer Sutherland could run for president as Tom Strickland, yes. like what if he just said, look, I'm running in character. I'm running in character. <laughs> yes. So I am gonna I am gonna go and I'll run I'll run like not as Kiefer Sutherland. I will do everything Strickland would do. Like WWJD, WWSD, what would Strickland do? Yes. I would vote for him in a second. Ah I, yeah. I, I I think the world I I'm telling you, 2024. 2024, worst case 2028, uh, is gonna be very spectacular. I think we're gonna see that. Going back to, and for the the millions of listeners that have not watched it, and I think it's going to blow up on Netflix, and Matt Damon's probably getting another 
crazy check, but go see the Adjustment Bureau just so you can see Matt Damon's character who's running and his political views. I think we're going to get a that, that type of the young, call it Kennedy-ish, that, uh, what, what, regardless of what size. But I think 2024, uh, because by 2024 or 2028, that's when you'll have mature millennials and you'll have the, what is it, Generation Z? What's behind the millennials again? Help me with that. Uh, y or Z? Whoever's behind the millennials. They will all be of age and mature. And I think we're going to see a brand new, like rebirth in American politics Similar to as Abe Lincoln, a lot of people forget Abe Lincoln was the first president under the new Republican Party. So, but John, but don't you think as a guy who's had a lot of success in entrepreneurial ventures and in coaching entrepreneurs, don't you think if most businesses ran like the political parties, they would crash and burn? I mean, I mean, the only reason the part established parties succeed still is that they have control over the mechanism so it's so hard to get as a third party i mean freakonomics did an episode on this like they're like look generally if 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 there's a two-party kind of thing in the economy like coke and pepsi and people aren't happy rc comes up or something comes up that there's no account i mean there's no kind of thing in business in the free market that would work this way with two really dysfunctional organizations that that people would just blind, you know, it, it's the only game in town. Like it's so difficult to get into. And this is like Bloomberg is a great example, right? If they didn't have all the control, Bloomberg would be a great independent candidate, but he had to go into, uh, yes. he, you know, yes. he, he, he had to go to become a Republican to become a mayor of New York. Yes. And he had to become a Democrat to run for president. Yes. And because and you just can't, the, the, the Aaron Burr, the Aaron Burr. They they just own the territory. Like, yeah. but again, yeah. it, there's no business that could function this way. I, I agree, and this is what, and we'll end the show with this. This is the time. The time is now for disruption in American politics more than ever. I mean, we've we've seen right. We the first we've seen these first waves, right? You know, the, the classic latest, you know, uh, Airbnb, right? We see that you know totally disrupting established strongholds, right? in this hotel space. Like we have all the rooms and here comes this disruption of, okay, now we have no rooms, but we're bigger than you. Ha. Um, so, and then, you know, the, the Uber side, you know, minus the, the leadership debacles, but the mindset of, Hey, why can't I push a button and get a car when cabs think about the, the New York cab lot, right? The control, the lockdown, right? Like we control it all, um, all of that. And I think now politics, is ripe for that disruption. And we got to end there because I've got another call, but not with a political party, but uh, we got to hit the road. So let's, let's end with that on the great disruption is coming. Push button, get president. How about that? Disruption is coming to a theater near you. Yes. All right, my friend, always good to talk. Scott Gant Jones, glorious, my friend. Stay blessed. All right, my friend.